Hey everybody, this is Dave from Cross Point Church. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. I know that our world is full of unrest and chaos right now, but thankfully our lives are not anchored in this world or in the circumstances we find ourselves in. Our lives are anchored in God and His Word. We hope that you find encouragement from the message today, and when you're done, you can head over to crosspointwestallis.com to learn more about us or register for one of our two Sunday services. Until then, enjoy this message from our series, The Book of Psalms. Thank you all uh, for being here today. It's great to see uh, all of you here today. Thank, thank you for those of you who are watching online. Um, we uh, are in our second week of a new series that we kicked off last week called The Bright Side. How to be heavenly minded in a hostile world. That's what we're talking about uh, today and for the next few weeks. And I want to start today by talking about playlists. You guys know what a playlist is? Maybe not everybody knows what a playlist is. For those of you who don't know what a playlist is, it's sort of like today's version of a mixtape. Anyone remember the mixtapes? Anyone still listen to mixtapes? If you still listen to mixtapes, you are radical, all right? You are righteous. Uh, so I, I have a bunch of playlists, and I have, by the way, a playlist is just a list of songs. That's all it is, a list of songs that uh, is on your phone, and it's categorized um, according to your mood or activity. So I have, I'll, I'll share some of my playlists with you. I have a prayer playlist I don't use that one enough, i got to be honest. I have a, uh, a yard work playlist. I have a workout playlist. I have a camping playlist. I have a summer chill playlist. I have a, a basketball pregame playlist. In March, back in March, I created a new playlist called my COVID-19 playlist. And I've been adding to it ever since. It features such songs as You Can't Touch This by MC Hammer. We've Got to Get Out of This Place by The Animals. Don't Stand So Close to Me by the Police. It's the End of the World as We Know It by R.E.M. How many of you have felt recently like it's the end of the world as we know it? Yeah, a lot of people. One of the reasons that we feel like it's the end of the world as we know it is because most of us are spending way too much time in front of a screen. And we talked about this last week that uh, the Nielsen group did a study this year that showed that uh, the average adult age, age 18 and over in America is spending upwards of 90 hours a week in front of a screen. Some of those hours are for work and uh, for some other positive things, but most, the, the vast majority of those hours are spent exploring media, entertainment media, news media, social media, and everything in between. We're spending tons and tons of time, more time than ever before, we are spending in front of screens. Why? Because the world is changing so fast and we don't want to miss anything. And with all the chaos and hostility and unrest in our world, we we want to stay on top of all the news and everything else. The problem with that is is now the church finds ourselves in a state where we are being shaped more by bad news than good news. That's where we are today. The church is being shaped more by bad news than good news. That's what we started talking about last week. And many Christians are anxious and afraid. Christians 
are anxious and afraid. We are easily angered. We are divided. And last week, we also introduced the big idea for this whole series, which is this. What controls your mind controls your life. That is what God's Word tells us. Most people would admit that. Whether you're a Christian or not, you, you would agree with that. Whatever, you know, the things you think most about, those are the things that influence and shape your decisions, your attitudes, your choices. So today we're going to talk about seeing the good. Today I want to tell you why you should see the good and how to see the good in every situation. And I want to share with you why I think the future is bright. And we're going to look at one primary verse today. And it's a verse many of you are familiar with. It's from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 28. Romans 8, 28. Here's what it says. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. How many of you have that verse highlighted or underlined in your Bibles? I'll bet there's a reason that you have. That's one of the most treasured verses in the New Testament. And there's a really good reason for that. It's a very popular verse. It's a verse that has found its way into blessing boxes all over America and uh, that's found its way into the hearts of Christians everywhere. Unfortunately, it's also a verse that has been widely misunderstood. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what Romans 8.28 does not mean and then what it does mean. And we're going to talk about how important it is today for Christians to be optimistic about the future. And before we talk about that, I want to share with you what optimism is not. Optimism is not a denial of reality. All right, a, a denial of reality would be like, okay, I'm just going to ignore the fact that there's a pandemic that is uh, ravaging our world and that has taken our nation and our way of life hostage and it's showing no sli- signs of slowing down. I'm going to just ignore the fact that there are racial, uh, there's racial tension and conflict and, uh, you know, inciting riots. It seems like every single week there's a, a, new, a new riot in a new city. And there's, there's some cities that are being burned and destroyed. And now they're in ashes. And it seems like we're on the brink of a civil war. I'm just going to ignore all of that. I'm going to ignore the fact that there's all this political unrest and, and everything else. And I'm just going to pretend like everything's fine. Okay, that's not optimism. That's just a denial of reality. That's what that is. Optimism is also not wishful thinking. And wishful thinking says that, you know, everything's going to work itself out because it always does. The pandemic will eventually be under control. The racial and social and political chaos will eventually calm down. This is all going to pass. And that would just be, today, wishful thinking. Uh, Optimism also is not bad theology. And I want to give you an example of what bad theology, some of the bad theology that has been drawn out of verses like Romans 8.28. Here's an example of bad theology. Because I love God, the terrible things that are happening to people all over the world won't happen to me. Why? Because I, because I love God. And because I love God, God won't let those bad things happen to me. Because I'm his child and he's going to protect me and he wants me to have, he wants me to be happy and have a good life. And so God's never going to let really bad things happen to me because I love him and he loves me. 
And I've got to tell you, that's bad theology. That, that's nowhere in Romans 8.28. In fact, Romans 8.28 rejects that theology, and it says that all things, anything that happens to people in the world can happen to Christians. The difference is the outcome. That's the difference, and it's a really big difference. So what is optimism? Optimism, I'm just going to offer you a basic definition that has a, a biblical uh, undercurrent to it. And it's optimism is a disposition to look on the bright side. That's what optimism is. It's a disposition. It's a settled attitude. It's a tendency. It's a mindset that is bent towards the bright side. And as we looked at last week, we, we talked about the bright side is where Jesus is. The bright side is that dimension where Jesus uh, lives and reigns and rules. And that's where people are focused who live, on the, who live on the bright side and who look on the bright side. It's someone who has a disposition to look on the bright side. So what does this famous verse in Romans really mean? What is eight, Romans 8.28 really about? Let's read it again. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So I want to ask you this question. In what kinds of situations does God work for the good of his people? In what things does God work for the good of his people? In all of the things. In every situation. In every circumstance. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. In all things. So... I want to talk this morning a little bit about the difference between optimism and pessimism. And um, I have uh, have friends who are optimists, and I have friends who are pessimists. And they both kind of annoy me, because I'm somewhere in between. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but my pessimistic friends, okay, every time I get excited about something, or I'm like, every time I tell my pessimistic friends, this is going to be great, they tell me why it's not. They want me to know why, all the reasons why it won't be great. At the beginning of this uh, NBA season, which started like years ago, it feels like, I was like, the Bucks look really good this year. My pessimistic friends were like, yeah, but they're still really weak here and here. And I hate it when they're right. And they were right. And my, my, my optimistic friends are always just a little too optimistic for me. They're just always, they're just so excited. I'm like, can you just take it down a notch? Can you just calm down a little bit, okay? Is it really that good? You know what I mean? But here's the thing. My pessimistic friends are probably my most loyal friends. My pessimistic friends are the ones who have been with me through the worst things and who have stayed and who have, you know, walked with me through those hardest things. And some of my optimistic friends, I I love being around them too because I just love their outlook on the future. They're so encouraging. And I love that about them. Um, Now, I, I used to work for a guy who was a pessimist, and he's a, still a good friend of mine, and um, he just was a very pessimistic person. He's a Christian. I want to be clear, like, you can be a Christian and a pessimist. Y- you know what I mean? I don't want you to feel guilty because you're a pessimist. I do think that if you are a Christian, you can't stay a pessimist forever. I, I just don't think you can. But my, this friend of mine, okay, he's a pessimist and uh, a really hard worker, super loyal, and uh, I didn't know this about him, but when I started working for his company, I found out that he had a nickname at work. And his nickname was Eeyore. 
You guys remember Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? Eeyore is the classic pessimist, all right? Because people would always, they would always like be like, okay, we're going to get this project done in this time period, and this is going to go great. And he'd always be like, no, that's never going to happen, you know? And so he, he got this nickname. Eeyore was, he was always downcast and depressed, and he was not a fan of anything. He was always talking about why, you know, Someone would say good morning, and he'd be like, well, not really. You know what I mean? And that was Eeyore. Now, now Winnie the Pooh had another friend. Do you guys remember who his, one of his other friends was that was opposite of Eeyore? Tigger. Tigger, who was like happy and bouncy and overflowing with energy, and he always overestimated what he could do. And he, he, Winnie the Pooh needed both friends in his life. And, and we, need both, we need both pessimists and optimists in our lives too. We do. But I want to focus this morning on optimists because people who follow Jesus and who are consumed with God's thoughts and consumed with God's promises and the future God has planned for us are going to be more optimistic. In fact, I used to be a much more pessimistic person, but my faith has made me an optimist. That's something I know that's true about me. And so I just want to ask you this morning, when you think about the future and when you think about life, do you tend to think and dwell on the bright side or the dark side? I just want to ask you this morning, do you think about the world and what could go wrong next or do you think about God and what he could do next? There's a big difference because here's the thing, optimists and pessimists have the same things happen to them, but they have very different outlooks on the future. And if you're a person who tends to focus on the negative and thinks about all the what-ifs and all the bad outcomes that are right around the corner, I want to challenge you this morning to feed your faith. Why not, why not feed your faith rather than your fears? You know, a big part of the Christian life has to do with feeding and starving. You know, we started talking about that last week as we looked at the difference between our old nature, and our new nature, spiritually. We all were born with a sinful nature that wants to do bad things and that only thinks about us and what we want. But when we turn to Jesus for forgiveness and we put our faith in Jesus' death and resurrection, God gave us a new nature. He made us a new kind of person. He put his spirit in us to dwell in us. And now, as Christians, we have these two natures and they're always struggling and wrestling and fighting with each other for control of our life and for control of our mind. And so we have an old nature. Um, I just was thinking about my daughters reading, one of my high school daughters are reading Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And it's a classic uh, work of literature that talks about these two, this doctor had these two very different natures. One was very violent, one was very, you know. And that's sort of like these two natures that we have now. One wants to please God. The other just wants to please ourselves. One wants what God wants. The other wants what we want. One is driven by greed and lust and anger and anxiety and fear. The other is driven by peace and joy and righteousness and love and hope. And those two natures are, oh, we have a choice every day. Which one are we going to feed? And um, we have these two plants here this morning. They're very different. Right? One of these plants is essentially dead. I don't know, maybe it's hanging on for dear life. This plant has been starved 
of water and sun and the nutrients that it needs. And this plant is thriving. It's green and growing and full and full of life because it's been fed. In our two natures, okay, we want our spirit to be look like this and our flesh to look like this. We want to feed our spirit and we want to starve our flesh and we want to choke out those voices that come from our old nature that tell us to be afraid, that tell us to be anxious, that tell us we're a victim, that tell us that we should hold on to what we have and not give things away and not make sacrifices and not take risks. We want to feed the spirit that tells us to Fix our eyes on Jesus and just do what he says. And those two natures, you know, if you feed your spirit and you starve your flesh, your life is going to start to resemble that. Your choices will start to resemble that. Your attitude will start to resemble that. You're going to become a more optimistic person. Because whatever you feed is going to grow. If you feed your old nature, if you feed your sinful nature, it's going to grow. It's going to consume you, and you're going to do what your sinful nature wants. In fact, in Romans chapter, am I jumping ahead here a little bit? In Romans chapter 8, verse 5, I wanted to share this verse with you. This is just a little bit earlier in the chapter. Apostle Paul wrote, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And then he says, The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. This happens in our minds. In other words, the person who is alive with Jesus, we talked about that last week. When you have this new nature and you are alive with Christ and Jesus is living in you, your thought life is going to change. Your thought life is going to be vastly different than someone who, is only, who only has their old nature. And you're going to want to do what pleases God. So ultimately, I want to starve the things that make me fear, and I want to feed the things that build my faith. That's what I want to do. I want to feed my faith. And this is so practical for us as everyday, modern, American followers of Jesus— how many of you in here have a device that you use every day, a, a, a smartphone or something like that? Just probably every person in here has one. And, and so if I am serious about this, if I'm serious about wanting to feed my spirit and starve my flesh, then guess what? I am not going to spend hours a day reading or watching news or on social media. Why? Because I don't want to be shaped more by, more by bad news than good news. I don't want that for my life because I know that whatever controls my mind controls my life. Whatever I'm feeding myself with is going to work its way down into my heart and then it's going to work its way out into my attitude and my behaviors and my choices. I want to share a, 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 a quote with you from an article I read this last week by Carrie Newhoff, who's a pastor and an author, and he shared this. I thought this was so insightful. There are really good things on the internet for sure. There are also some great things. But negativism seems far more prevalent today than it did a decade ago. It's like we're increasingly sucked into a negative feedback loop. No one is sure how to escape. And it's happening at our fingertips. Apparently, we live in an age 
where we no longer own our devices, our devices own us. And when technology runs us, it can ruin us. Man, I think he's right on. And, you know, some of you during this period of time over the last six months have fasted. Um, you fasted from food. I'm not talking about intermittent fasting, fasting to burn fat. Okay, that's helpful, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a spiritual fast where you abstain from something in your life, food or something like that, so you can reconnect with God and gain clarity and peace and things like that. And fasting can be more than just about um, abstaining from food. It can be about starving your flesh and starving out those wrong voices in your life. So what I want to do this week is I want to give you a practical challenge. And I want to challenge you to fast from all forms of media. For one week, for seven days, to just cut those things out, to delete all those apps that you spend so much time on, and just to starve those voices for one week. Wayne, what do you have to lose, really? And and I want to just, I want to tell you this, and this is important. You do not have to be the first person to know about things. Okay, did you know that? You don't have to be the first person to know. You could be the last person to know, and you're going to be just fine. I I just want you to know that because it seems like on social media with schools reopening and all these changes happening so fast, like it just seems like moms in particular, but dads too, just are glued to social media because they want to be the first to know about any changes. You don't have to be the first to know, okay? Just pick a friend who's on social media and say, hey, would you do me a favor this week? I'm fasting from, from all forms of social media. I'm taking a break. So if anything big changes at school, would you just let me know so I don't show up to school one day when it's closed? I mean, or something like that. You can do it. You can do that and you'll be, you're going to be just fine. Anyone remember life in the 80s? We never knew about, I mean, you never knew what was going to happen when you went outside. When you left your kids with the babysitter, you left for two hours and had no idea what was going on. And everything was just fine, wasn't it? For the most part. All right? Let's just go back to that for a week. Let's simplify our lives. Let's cut out those voices that are negative and that want us to fear. And let's not just cut those things out. Let's replace those voices with the voice of God. That's really important. So here's what I'm going to do this week. And I shared this with the first service too is I'm going to, every time I am tempted to re-download Facebook or Instagram or my Apple News uh, app or whatever it is, JS Online, whatever, wherever it is you get your news and all of that, anytime I'm tempted to, to pick up my phone and do what I've been doing, I'm going to read Romans 8. I'm going to read the whole chapter start to finish. It has, by the way, been hailed one of, the, uh, most, one of the brightest chapters in the whole Bible, and it's for good reason. And so I am going to read Romans 8. I'm actually going to pick up a physical book and read Romans 8 every time I'm tempted to do that. And I'm going to be reading Romans 8 a lot this week because that's what, I'm going to be tempted a lot to pick, up my, to pick up my phone and to go and look at that and to download that app. And um, you know what? For some of us, deleting all of those apps And cutting out that media is going to free up an hour or two or three a day in your life. Think about what you could do with an extra hour of, of a day in your day. You could 
memorize all of Romans 8 this week with one extra hour a day. Easily. You can memorize Romans, probably Romans 6, 7, and 8. With all of that time you've been spending on social media, you could go for a walk. You could call a friend. You could call your mom or dad and remind them that you love them. Ask them how they're doing. You could call someone from church, maybe someone you haven't seen in a long time. Ask them how you can pray for them. You could spend time with God, and you could seek Him in prayer. You could seek Him in His Word and just listen for God's voice. You know, every single day we're confronted with bad news. Every day, here's more bad news for you. I mean, we're just conditioned in 2020 to be ready for more bad news every time we open an app. We just are, and I'm just sick of it. I am sick of it because it makes me fear the future. It makes me want to worry about the future. I don't even need the news to do that, okay? I see things in my kids every day at home that make me worry about the future, okay? Any parents here relate to that? I, I, like, oh, no, are they ever going to grow out of this? Or whatever it is, you know, I just see things in my own life, in my own heart that make me worry about the future. I don't need the news to tell me to worry about the future. Every single day, I'm accused by the enemy. The enemy every single day tells me, you're guilty. You're not good enough. You're not doing enough. That's not going to work. God doesn't really think and feel about you the way that his word says. I'm just, the enemy lies to me. My flesh lies to me every day about who God is and who I am. I don't need any more voices in my life giving me bad news. And yet when I set my sights on Jesus and where he is and what he's done, and when I remember how great God is and all of his wonderful promises, my mind begins to change. And I can tell you this, God is working. If, you are, if you're willing to look and listen, you will see that God is at work. In all of this chaos, in all of this mess, in all the disruption, God is at work. And I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. Um, this last week, by the way, here's how I know this. I want to share a couple things with you. I, um, if you got the lifeline this last week, I shared about um, the donations that we gave to Ephesians Missionary Baptist Church in the inner city of Milwaukee. They're doing this awesome program for kids, uh, MPS kids, learning virtually this fall. And I had the opportunity to uh, drive downtown and see their church and see the program and meet some of the kids. I met Pastor Raymond Monk and his wife Camille and just got to know them a little bit. It was so great. And then I was able to give them a check for $3,000 from you to help them bless their community. And they were so grateful for that. And that never would have happened if it wasn't for all of the chaos that's happening in our world in 2020. I would have never heard of that church. I would have never discovered them. That happened because of all this stuff going on. And then, uh, the other day, I had a check sitting on my desk for $4,000 from Cross Point to Henry and Darlene our missionary partners in, uh, that live in Jerusalem but who are locked out of Jerusalem and have been stuck in the United States and need a reliable used vehicle. And I had this check for $4,000 sitting on my desk 
And all they wanted to, they, they're trying to raise $5,000 for a used, by the way, you can buy a used reliable car for $5,000. Did you know that? It is correct. Some of you think you need way more than that. You don't. I was just talking to Frederick about that this morning. But anyway, so they're, they're trying to raise this money, and I had this check for $4,000. And I sent Henry a text, and it said, Henry, I got a check to send you from Cross Point to help with the car. Where should I send it? He says, text me back, David, shalom and blessing in Jesus our Lord. I'm trying to talk like Henry now. <laughs> if you've met Henry, he talks so fast, and, but it's great. He says, wow, glory to God. Thank you so much for the church to donate funds for the car. We are short around $4,000. Whatever you send, it will help to cover. God will provide. So I sent him a picture of the check. I was just so happy to send him the picture for the check. Yeah, praise God. Praise God for that. And Henry goes, wow, did I say we are around $4,000 to meet our need? And wow, 4000 is what God gave through Cross Point Church. And I said in big capital letters, amen. And Henry said this, God is so good and wise. We must drive this car to your area from Los Angeles to bring the gospel. And this car is like a horsepower to bring us to people, you, to U.S. soil to preach the gospel. Please tell the church, thank you, thank you, thank you. Glory to God and Jesus our Lord. It was just such a cool thing to be able to share that with Henry, and they're so blessed by that. And now they are looking to drive, they're in, they've been in Los Angeles. It's total chaos there. He shared with me just how crazy it is there. And they're looking forward to coming here just to be with us, to thank us, and to further equip us to share the gospel with our own community. That's what they're all about. That's what we're all about we are on the move to redeem people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's all about everyday, ordinary people like you and me loving our neighbor. Helping our neighbors to look on the bright side. To say to them, you know what? I, I am not afraid. I am not discouraged. Because I know that my God is working for good in every situation. Did you know that not everyone has the ability to do that? According to, according to God's word, only followers of Jesus can have that view of the future. One that is full of glory. That's what our future holds. So here's what I want to ask you. Is I, I, I challenged you about this whole media fast, right? And this is the question I want to ask you. Are you willing to miss the next huge headline so that you won't miss the still, small voice of God. Which voice would you rather hear? Because even though we don't always see what God is up to, we still believe that God is good and God is still in control and he still loves us and he will never leave us or forsake us and his promises never fail. And the rest of the passage, I want to close today by sharing the rest of the passage with you. Romans 8.29, sometimes we don't even read into Romans 8.29 and 30, but it gets even better. This is what Paul wrote next. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified... He also glorified. So we just read what God means when he says, I'm working all things for good. That's what God means. He just spelled it out for us. And here's something that we, str 
we need to be clear about this, okay? Because very often we as Christians try to figure out why bad things happen. We get preoccupied with this. And Christians are notorious for this. We're notorious for hearing about bad situations and bad things and like trying to break the code. Like, oh, I'll bet you that happened so that this could happen. And, and we just do this as Christians. And that's not really the point. So let me give you an example. He got cancer so that nurse could meet our family and eventually come to church. Or uh, he was paralyzed so he could find his real calling in life. Or she got divorced so that she could find the guy who was better for her. Or I didn't get accepted to that school because God knows I'll be better off at this other school. Or maybe God took our child away from us so that we will have a story to tell or so that we can encourage others when they are hurting. Okay, these are the kinds of things Christians say when bad things happen. But that's not the point of Romans 8, 28. What we mean when we say, don't worry, some good will come out of this, is different than what God means when he says, for those who love me, I'm working all things for good. And I want to be clear about this. What is the good that God's working for when you and I experience pain and suffering or loss? It might not be what you thought it was. And I'm going to give you a hint. It has to do with Jesus. How many of you knew that? How many of you knew I was going to say that? Really? <laughs> okay, some of you did. Listen, the good that God is working for in all things is this. You becoming more like Jesus. That's it. Okay? You don't have to break the code, guys. God is working all things for good. And you know what he said in verses 28 and 29? He's, God's, God has predestined that everyone who follows Jesus is going to become more like Jesus. <laughs> and how does that happen? Through all things. It's not just through good things. It's mostly, I think, through bad things. Those bad things that slow us down, that hurt us, that wound us, and that sometimes even leave scars, those are the things God uses to make us more like Jesus. That's what God wants more than anything. That's the best outcome you could ever experience in your life is you becoming more like Jesus. It's not the better job, the better spouse, the better school, the better story. It's just you becoming more like Jesus Christ. That's the good. That's the good. So listen, you've heard me say, you've heard me say this a few times in, in the last couple months. Like, things are going to get worse before they get better. You've heard me say that, right? And, and, and of course, like I said before, we've just been conditioned to think that. It's 2020. As soon as we think things are getting better, another bomb drops, right? So we just keep saying this over and over again. Things are going to get worse before they get better. We, that may be true of the pandemic. It might be true of racial tensions and conflicts. It might be true of the economy. It might be true of the political climate. It might be true of your marriage. It might be true of your health. But there's another popular phrase we haven't heard in a while. And it comes from Romans 8. And here's the phrase, the best is yet to come. 
The best is yet to come. It doesn't matter how much worse it gets this year. The best is yet to come. God promises that in Romans chapter 8. And I want you to stand up at this time. I'm going to give you the benediction. And I want to share with you just one more verse from Romans chapter 8. And if you're at home watching, you can stand up from wherever you're sitting and whatever you're wearing. And uh, yeah, some of you have shared with me what you wear when you watch. I don't want to know that anymore. Um, Listen to these words from Romans chapter 8 verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. That's our future. Colossians chapter 1 verse 2. Christ, one day Christ is going to be revealed and you will be revealed with him in glory because your life is hidden with Christ in God. Even though your life with Christ is hidden to most people right now, one day it won't be. It'll be revealed. Everyone will see Jesus in his glory. And when that happens, the church will be revealed for who we are, the bride of Jesus. Man, what if we lived today as if that were true? What if we lived the rest of this week as if that were happening soon? Man, we would think differently. We would live differently. We would, we would have influence on people who are struggling right now. That's the way I want to live. I want to look on the bright side. I want to see the good in every situation. I want to be more like Jesus today. I want to be more shaped by good news than bad news. Are you with me? Are you with me? Amen. Hey, before I pray to close the service, I just want to remind you guys that next Sunday... Uh, We are having one service at 10.30. It's going to be our last outdoor service of the season at uh, weather permitting at 10.30 at Valley View Park. We may be dressed up a little warmer, but bring your chairs, uh, bring some snacks, bring your kids, bring your families. We look forward to worshiping outdoors one more time this season, and uh, we look forward to seeing you. So don't forget about that. Also, don't forget in two weeks, we're having a baptism service on September 20th. We're going to have our baptism tanks set up here, and anyone who wants to go public with their faith, if you've been following Jesus, if you believe in Jesus Christ, that he died for you, that he rose again to give you new life, but you've never chosen to be baptized, you've never taken that step in front of your church family, I want to encourage you to do that. Feel free to reach out to us at info at cross, uh, crosspointwestdallas.com or feel free to talk to myself or someone you know from Crosspoint. We would love to celebrate that change in your life. So until then, thank you for being here today. I want to close us in prayer today. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for how good you are and that no matter what happens to us, you are actively working in our hearts to make us more like Jesus. That is such good news, God. It is such good news for us that no matter what happens to us on the outside and even no matter how afraid we are, anxious we feel, no matter how depressed we feel, God, you are working. Your spirit lives in us. You are transforming us on the inside to be more like your son. You can, use any, you can use any situation, no matter how bad it is, to bring new life in us. God, help us to see the bright side this week and to be more like Jesus wherever we go. Give us the strength to make it through one week without looking at social media and other forms of media. And may we hear your voice loud and clear this week. It's in Christ's name that we pray.
Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for being here today. We'll see you next week. Have a great week.